we're kind of done with the fun part and now it's like the long steady march to the grave uh we we already did episode 50 and the next landmark is 100 it took us a long time to get to 50 we're never <laughs> going to get to 100 like if we we're bi-weekly now so that's <clears throat> about that's about two years of episodes yeah two years until we get to celebrate anything virtual pros i feel like has been going on for seven years now and we still haven't hit 100 yet how is that possible i don't know i we i don't well i guess there was that time we took like a few months off and then there was another time where we took about a month off but still it just seems like the numbers don't add up but that's just the the way it's been and border boss started i think before virtual pros existed so is that true <laughs> i think so I, I i would say maybe they st- started around the same time if anything jesus christ none of this makes sense. Well, so border not, boss not, has been going on for seven years yeah not border boss uh alone not the yeah. the alone version but the border boss version that was on kissing contest was probably right around the inception of virtual pros too since the last episode we talked about crimes in taco bell and a man surviving on hot sauce packets and now it's confirmed that this is all that this is preposterous <laughs> this is totally insane because a man like a, they they put out an article that was like another man was saved by hot sauce packets because he stood up from his table to go get some hot sauce he'd forgotten in a whole car just crashed into the taco bell and like wiped out half the building and uh, he survived because he got up to go get some sauces yeah. that's bullshit that's bullshit <laughs> There's no way. Like that's just so. That's like a Blues Brothers, uh, you know, scene or something like that. That's not a real thing that happens. So I, I think that that's that for me that seals yeah. that the Taco Bell is, is leaking this or you know. Yeah, because if anybody else was murdered in that, it would be a, a totally different story that they'd have to report. And uh, apparently, you think they would? You think they would have let it out if he had been iced instead? Like if the <laughs> car, car had just gone through him? I don't. I don't think so. I think it would have. Uh... Yeah, I think they would have kept that one uh, a little low level instead of mm-hmm. making this. Oh, he survived because he wanted hot sauce too. The man was pasted. <laughs> um, have you have you had any Taco Bell breakfast in the years since they've been doing it? No, I've had it twice in my life. Um, apparently, they have a donut. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if this is test or if this is real. Uh, I haven't been out. You know, I know McDonald's did a donut because we've been watching. Uh, who's the guy who does like a? who does the keto diet but Uh, (laughs) oh big daddy's world big daddy's world on youtube he's he's a man of gravity who um is always somehow on a keto diet even though every other video is him going out to a a burger joint or eating a pizza or eating ice cream. yeah he's he's since given up he hasn't he hasn't thrown in the towel he hasn't made a video about it but i mean he's like five days a week eating something bad at this point Yeah. yeah so he had a whole video where he gave you tips on how to eat the donut sticks from McDonald's and it was, you know, like dip them in coffee, <laughs> put them in your mouth. And, and, and I think it was like, get barbecue sauce packets and pour it on it or something, yeah, they, yeah. Know, whatever it was. This thing. But uh, yeah, Taco Bell apparently has a churro donut and it looks awesome. It looks almost like one of those King cakes, mm-hmm. you know, where you find a baby and that makes you pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. It's like the King cake without the, the Mardi Gras frosting on it. I'm kind of down. I kind of, Figuring out ways that I could, uh, you know, also be on a keto diet, but somehow eat donuts every, every, <laughs> every three days. Yeah. I think, I think big daddy, unfortunately gave up on the, uh, keto diet entirely. Although he still mentions anytime he eats something, uh, whether or not it's low carb or not, but it, <laughs> right. it's never a low carb anymore. <laughs> Do you remember the Pizone? Oh yeah. They're, it's back. It's back, baby. The Pizone. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't remember if it was good or not. I remember, you know, really wanting to know more about it. Uh, Pizza Hut's always a pain. I don't know why it, yeah. why it's a pain, but it's just always kind of a pain to get there. Um, it's basically just a uh, um, a calzone, mm-hmm. but Ooh. weirder. It's almost like a pop tart calzone or like yeah. a hostess pie calzone or something like that. Did you have them when they were out originally? Yeah, which was years ago now. Yeah. And- I remember really liking it, and I'm tempted to order it again because it's five bucks. But uh, they they really stick you with delivery fees here in Chicago, so five dollars turns into like twenty five dollars just for getting it delivered. But I'm I'm gonna really try to get a Pizone before they disappear again, just to see if it was worth my time to get it. You have to eat it on site. You have to sit down alone, at Pizza <laughs> Hut at the booth. Uh, which one are you going to get? Are you going to get the, the stuffed meaty pizone or just uh, something simple? I would have to get the one with the meat because, you know, I'm going to have to go all out if I get one. Maybe I'll get all of them. They're fucking five bucks. I'll get every single one they have. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll race. Yeah. We'll, lot, we'll set up a Skype and it'll be the first actual video border boss ever. We'll, <laughs> we'll race through the entire run of uh, pizones. Um, I have some, some weed and food news. It's, uh, Mike's news of the week. Um, <laughs> So first of all, uh, are you familiar with the uh, you know, the French Laundry? You know the fancy. Yeah. The, uh, they they have a soup and a bong now. Oh my god! <laughs> it seems silly to me, right? Like the, yeah. you know, isn't it like past the due date of that? Like bong jokes and bong, you know, like like we're beyond the bong now. Because I watched that guy. Who who's the guy who says like filthy, filthy? The guy who does reviews of like dab units and stuff like that on uh, <laughs> on YouTube. Oh, I know. Like, yeah, I know he, what you're talking about. He yeah. talks like a ninja turtle, and he has the yeah. most elaborate gear. He looks like erector sets and uh, and yeah. constructs and <laughs> habit trails, and you know some of them are six feet tall, and they have different platforms, and, and you know, and he lights a fire here, but he puts the weed there. I feel like we're way past bongs, <laughs> dude. Like people still even use just regular bongs anymore? Is it? Yeah, is I don't it? know. I'm I'm I smoke weed still, but I'm kind of mm-hmm. beyond that phase of. Uh, being all crazy about it that's that's more of a young man's game and i just smoke weed like a normal person mm-hmm. it actually says in the article it says uh they served me a a soup course in a real life honest to goodness bong the kind you smoke drugs with <laughs> we we know one person who's been there right like the who's the 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 street punker that used to post oh on, greg uh, greg i he's know, been I, to it, right i don't know if he's been to french laundry he's been to alinea which is here uh, that's that's probably the one you're actually thinking of because that's like the French Laundry. I don't think is like uh, it might be. I guess it is gastronomy. It's it's. I think it's a little less. I mean, I, I shouldn't say it's a little less crazy than Alinea because they have a fucking bong soup. But <laughs> I, th- I, I I don't, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. But yeah, Alinea is the one that has like the edible balloon that they like pop over your table right. and it turns yeah. into like cotton candy or some shit like that. But. Yeah, I think the French Laundry is it's like Thomas Keller, right? And it's just his place yeah. to try things without yeah, being yeah. they don't necessarily need to be absurd. They just it's just where he tries stuff out and it costs all the money in the world to to get a table there or whatever. And it, it, but it's still one of those things where they sit you down and give you fifteen weird little courses, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So another weird other weed news. This one's kind of dumb, I think. You know, Blue Moon beer, uh whoever invented Blue Moon beer made uh weed beer and it sold out immediately. So does that do anything for you? Like if you have weed beer, does that get you, uh, you know, does that get you someplace or is it just like gross? Well, is it supposed to get you high or is it something that's just made with weed that is, uh, you know, like it tastes like weed. 
it says it's de-alcoholized. So what's up? And then microdosed with five milligrams of THC. So they took out the alcohol and you're just drinking weed then. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, because I don't think you could, I mean, you can mix both of them together, but it's kind of pointless. I would think so. Doesn't weed kind of taste not refreshing? I've had, (laughs) no, that's the thing. I, I would assume it just tastes like a a beer. Um, If you get like IPAs, uh, this could segue into our craft beer section too, but like mm-hmm. I think a lot of IPAs just naturally taste like weed, like shitty, fucking gross, yeah, yeah that's weed. True. So you could just say it's an IPA. I remember, I can't remember. There was a brand of beer that used to be at a uh, this fancy, uh, this fancy uh, bar I used to go to called Ramona or Elsa in the city mm-hmm. that uh, we've we've had many friends work at, and uh, they had one that tasted like exactly like drinking weed. So you know you could do that and add five milligrams is like a, that would get like a normal person pretty high probably not like an everyday smoker but mm-hmm. that seems like a pretty good deal that's how i'm gonna start then i've yeah. never had i've never had a weed in my life i'm gonna <laughs> get down with a i'm gonna f- see if i can get some exclusive syria beer yeah and try that out yeah so we had some uh f- first of all i'm having a an, a, an adirondack peanut butter porter right now oh, uh, this is ridiculous i've tried several what so you know i didn't drink till i was older I waited till I was 30, a, a, a delicious boy of 30, to begin my odyssey of, of partying hard. But when I was younger, of course, all my friends wanted me to drink, because that's just what, it is, what it's like when you're, when you're edge. Yeah. Your friends, they just all say, like, I want to buy you your first beer. Like, ain't, you know, it's, it's all this shit. And my friend promised me that he was going to figure out how to brew a peanut butter beer and that that was going to get me to drink when I was young. <laughs> I was like, you can't. You can't. Because peanut butter, like the flavor of peanut butter is grease. There's no way that you can make a drink that's greasy. So I just thought it would never happen. And now, like, the world is lousy with peanut butter beers. I've yet to have one that tastes like peanut butter. Have you ever had a <laughs> peanut butter beer? Uh, I've had a peanut butter beer. I'm trying to think of it. It didn't really taste um, that much like peanut butter. I'm trying to think of... There's one brand, and I know they sell it over there on the East Coast. And it has, like, a kind of a loud label. Like, that's like mm-hmm. this ain't Joe Mama's beer or something like that. Yeah, well, it's like, like a, Big Baby Jesus or Sweet Baby Jesus is yeah, the famous yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one, I think that's probably the best one I've had. But I haven't had a ton of them. Well, it's got a lot of booze in it, so I'm going to get pretty wavy. I might, I, I might fall asleep. <laughs> so we, this week, you sent me a link to something that, you know, it seems like a no-brainer. It's, it's adjacent to all of the topics that I care about, which are ska and beer. <laughs> um, so there's a company that's just called Ska Beer. They're, yep. they're ska brewing and uh you showed me a can a while back and i kind of put it out of my brain yeah but uh like was it was it like actually ska branded did it have like a two-tone label or something like that oh uh, yeah they yeah all their ones are like yeah they're they're pretty ska looking basically so this one sucks this one is a uh, <laughs> rancid branded and it's got it, it's got the little like rancid tattoo guy but other than that it looks like store brand beer or you know like your <laughs> like your actual dad's like old style uh you know something that real working men drink in the morning with an egg in it or something like that. You know, it, it doesn't look, you know, I'm sure it doesn't taste like that. I'm sure it's, gro- I'm sure it's gross. Like every other craft beer, it's probably <laughs> something ridiculous. But that's the thing is like all these craft beer companies make for a while, they were like making forties and making, you know, like piss lager beers, yeah. like their take on the, on the every man's beer or whatever. I don't know if that's what this is, but I don't want that. And I don't really care <laughs> about that shit. So you have access to ska beer. Uh, have you managed to acquire one yet? No, there's a uh, liquor store near my house or a beer store, whatever the fuck it's called in Chicago. I don't even know what what they're called here. <laughs> Package store, whatever the yep. fuck they're called. Um, and it's like they have a lot of the craft beers. And that was another thing I wanted to bring up is that 
I, when I lived when I lived in New York and be, you know, craft beer isn't like a, an old thing. Like this is kind of a thing that's popped up within the last five years, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of assumed all the same brands I would see in a store in New York would be the same in Chicago. And it's not like that. It's just like completely different. Like there are ve- there's very little crossover. And uh, that's kind of annoying to me because, you know, I, I kind of spent all yeah. this time cultivating a taste in certain things. And uh, that's all wiped out. That's gone forever now. <laughs> and but yeah, one of the beers they have is ska beer, but it's like the can the can isn't really cool enough for me to be like I'm going to pay eleven or twelve bucks for a six pack or whatever it is. It might be cheaper. I can't remember because when I'm there, they have like all these weird cans, and now all the beers are flavored like fucking vape juice now. Or there's like <laughs> fr- there's like fucking fruity pebbles. There's multiple breweries yeah. make like a fruity pebbles beer that. I still haven't tried one because I'm just like, there's no fucking way it's going to taste like that. Like, I can't imagine that taste being inside of a beer. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's all like that. So anytime I'm there, I'm like, oh, let, let me get the ska beer. And then I'll see something that's like brownie batter beer. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get that instead. Because <laughs> if I'm here, I'm going to get that. So, yeah, no, I haven't had it. But this makes me, at the very least, want to buy a normal whatever ska. I don't know if I, they're going to carry the rancid ska beer or what. But I'm, I'm going to at least finally bite the bullet and get a six pack yeah i am really hoping it literally just tastes like budweiser or something like that <laughs> this one it says it's a crushable crowd pleaser so I, yeah i don't know what that means to craft beer people because they drink as you said they drink things that actually taste like plants and like medicines and erythromycin yeah. and uh it like it, it doesn't really none of, none of them work for me I, I like scotch ales i guess that's the one thing that that nerds occasionally make but all sours all, do you like sours no i do i do not i don't like any of this stuff. i'm, I'm pretty these. much yeah i'm usually a pretty solid sour kind of guy i like pickle stuff you know i like salt and vinegar chips and stuff like right. that but that sour beer just tastes like urine to me it's gross yeah uh rancid is by the way like rancid I think I think I think maybe we have discussed this in the past. In the distant past, we'll be turned down. Whatever that was, <laughs> uh, we've discussed this in the distant past. That um, you know, there's something about older style punk that makes me feel really weird. Like when I see a Verruckers back patch, <laughs> or you know, street dog, you know, any of that street punk stuff that came up when we were kind of get, starting to get old. Um, Rancid's kind of that way it makes me feel because it's so it's like antique it's such antique rebellion and when i see these things they make me feel like the wrong kind of nostalgia like anti-nostalgia like i feel i don't know why i don't give a shit metal isn't any better like metal is hasn't changed much in 40 years the look is is still basically the same the sound has changed but like the the idea of being like a long hair guy in a non-long hair world is unchanged since you know since 1969 or something like that uh, but there's just like when I see someone wearing like the plaid pants with Liberty spikes or something like that and making like the British little two finger thing when <laughs> you're not British, like what the fuck? Like, that whole thing just makes me feel really like cold yeah. in my heart. But then when I saw this beer, it all came back because I haven't thought about Rancid and I don't even know how long. And then- so I live in Chicago now. And like I said, I, when I came here, I did not, I'm not a big craft beer person. I drink it. It's, I mostly drink it because it's usually like a higher alcohol content. So I'm just like, you know, if I'm going to fucking sit here and drink beer right. and, uh, I, you know, maybe sometimes I do want to drink eight beers. If I want to drink eight <laughs> beers, I'm not going to drink it. But you know, if I'm just going to have one or two beers at a bar, I'm going to get something with high alcohol content so I could feel it. I'm not there to for the flavor of the beer. So yeah. I drink craft beer. I don't have like a bias against it or anything, but 
I, I just don't know. I know there's people that that's like their hobby now is basically drinking and, um, I don't, I don't know what collecting. you, preser- yeah, collecting, like collecting, preserving craft beer, um, <laughs> De- defending, yeah. defending, like we have beer. a friend named John, uh, that he, he's like a brewmaster now. So he's the right. one dude where I'm just like, if I have a beer question, I'll ask him. Cause he's like, he's made a fucking career out of drinking mm-hmm. the shit and like making it and stuff. But there's a lot of other people I don't think that are on his level that just don't have another hobby, uh, kind of like what uh what scott said a couple episodes ago about getting a uh, dag nasty tattoo when you become a dad <laughs> i think like another option when you become a dad is just to be like getting really into like having one beer a night yep. <laughs> having it be like a very special very expensive beer one so 14 can of beer that you yeah. keep in like a wine a wine yeah. cooler or something like that in the basement yeah I mean, we went to, we did go to a place. My girlfriend bought like a 22 bottle, $22 bottle of beer from this place called Off Color, but it was super good. That beer is super, super good. If anybody has access to this Off Color beer, I would definitely recommend it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was getting at. So I moved here and you know, there are some, there are some bigger brands like uh, Bell's that's everywhere now. Right. You can get that in New York you can get that everywhere. Um, Founders, I think is in a lot of places. Yep. Then there's like the the East Coast stuff. Like uh, I can't you know, Sam Adams isn't a craft beer anymore, but there's like the bigger East Coast brands like uh, Sierra Nevada. I don't know if you could get that out here, but uh, you know that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did not expect that you could uh, you could go to like you could move 16 hours away, like you know halfway across the country, and it would be like a completely different landscape of beer. So I was just wondering. Do people who are like really into this, do you, do you think they have like some kind of like underground mailing service? Because I don't know the legalities of mailing beer. I don't know if it's like completely on the up and up. I guess you could do it maybe. Yeah. But it seems like if you are like deep into this shit and you heard about like this cool brewery in, you know, Arizona and you lived in Vermont and you couldn't get to it because it was too small. Yeah. Uh, maybe you would want to figure out how to get to it so i just don't know i don't know i'm sure we have some listeners that are probably more in tune with this world than we are but (laughs) i just don't know how that shit works i think every group of friends that's into this has the guy who's got more money than sense and will drive (laughs) places and like i've i've had a whole bunch of beers that i shouldn't have had because you know one of my friends uh works with a bunch of these people and he's always got and he has a he has a party every year like he has a beer tober fest party where he invites everyone to bring fancy things over um and we we get to try everything and there's guys who really want to impress you at beer tober which is just this guy's party it's not like studio 54 <laughs> or something like that it's just like you're going to my friend's house and bringing beer and some of these people just really work overtime so i've had you know for a while there was that that heady topper beer which is one of those beers that you have to like follow the trucker around town and, and blow him to get a can of it <laughs> i've had that i didn't have to blow anybody and i've had like all the other beer daisy cutter or whatever like all the other beers yeah. that company makes i've tried all of them and like some of them are pretty good but yeah, like I think that just everybody has some friend who's been employed for longer, like who's further in his career than he looks, like a schlubby guy who's just like further along in the job than he looks like he should be, and uh, every weekend drives, you know, four hundred miles to go see what beers he can get and comes and like, and, and some you know older, th- 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 I'll say this however, but like some older guys are kind of shameless about it. They'll actually come home with like a truckload of beer yeah like different beers and stuff like that which to me i'd feel weird about that <laughs> i feel like embarrassed and ashamed uh stocking up on beer just just because just because i'm a, a person i'm a person of shame that is one of the reasons why i haven't bought scott beers because it's so rare that i just buy a six-pack to have in the house because 
I do it every once in a while. And so I just have like a whole drawer in their fridge that just has like beer from last summer in it because yeah. I'm not like, I don't have people over my house. So I just have like a bunch of beer that I'll maybe have one every once in a while. That's what keeps me from trying a lot of stuff. Cause I don't want a 24 pack of something that, like, yeah. Did you ever give a shit? This is, we're off topic now. Did you ever give a shit about surge? I liked it more than Mountain Dew. I, it wasn't like my, the first soda I ever, I ever went after. That's for sure. It's one of those things that sort of caught me off guard that, uh, you know, that it has a following. Yeah. You know, I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, they brought it back. I don't, yeah, I don't remember anybody really liking Surge when, when I was a kid. No, but you know, when it was out is, is uh, like, we, we often, uh, recount the moments where we first felt old and I keep finding them. I keep finding new moments where I first felt old. And when I was pretty young, I remember kids were starting to eat more of, you know, like the gel candies that came in like syringes and like, you know, the tubes of just sugar, like the colored tubes of sugar that they started putting out and just sour, you know, experimental like candy, just things that was, it was just like a color more than it was a flavor. It became, I think that this is old hat. Now we're talking 20 something years, you know, (laughs) like, like this is for younger people. They don't even know what I'm talking about because it's been everywhere. But when we were young, it was chocolate. And it was like name brand fruity things. And that changed, you know, sometime in like the late nineties or something like that. It just became a whole rainbow of just weird off brand, you know, just gels and sugars and sour things that you could buy. And this was kind of like that. I would see people who are just, you know, four or five years younger than me with like blue tongues, you know, (laughs) eating, eating like, you know, just like a, like a, like a toy pacifier or something like that that was filled with something (laughs) and those would be the people that would be drinking uh you know surge or or some other kind of like wild sugar soda and but you know when it obviously when it was uh rejuvenated uh by the internet and became one of those sort of vapor wavy nostalgia things or something like that i i was like thinking did i ever have a surge have i ever had a surge (laughs) in my whole freaking life but you can have it now it's a burger king yeah uh, for anyone who wants to go back to a time that they didn't live through like me and uh see See how see how it suits you. Uh, you can go try, you know, six or seven gross, weird flavors of Surge soda. Uh, so it's just Mountain Dew. That's like the same thing as Mountain Dew. I, I it's not exactly like Mountain Dew, I, but it's like equivalent. I would say it's kind it's of clean. that like that weird citrusy mystery flavor that's you know super sugary. That is again like I don't know how that could be anybody's favorite if they're not like a preteen or just barely a teen because i I think the only reason i would drink it back then i feel like it was one of those those sodas that was just like constantly on sale like you Mm -hmm. could go to the store and get like two cans for a dollar or something because it was like it would like no one was buying it right it seems uh, yeah i believe that It, it has the look of something yeah but that was kept on life support because it found a budget niche or something like that like a like a lot of energy drinks right now i think yeah, I was big into Jolt. That was like my my like teen thing, like edgy teen soda to drink was Jolt. Did you have Jasta? I've had Jasta Cola before too, and I've had uh, Fuckola Cola too, which was, what was like Fuckola Cola. That was like one of those like craft sodas that you could buy at like Spencer's or something. And it was <laughs> like it was something like it was supposed to be like four times the caffeine or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just tasted like Jolt. Ugh. <laughs> I never had Jasta. I didn't know it was a thing. It was only recently that someone was like, you know, someone mentioned to me that they wish it would come back. And I'm like, what? A Jasta? Like, Jamie Jasta? He's, <laughs> he's never left. Um, so we, you, you clued me into something I wasn't aware of. And it's so big. It's so widespread already that it's, you know, it's old hat. 
but uh people it, it makes sense like this is I, I i see the the wisdom in this uh trend but youtube uh people are going to the worst reviewed whatever in their town um and you know of course most of it's, it's it probably started as food i guess i don't know if it started that way but that seems to be where it finds its uh, niche because those are the most dangerous Mm-hmm. you know so these people go to the one star and you know if you're in a real city a one star restaurant is dangerous <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know if you if you live kind of out out in the middle of nowhere maybe it's not that big a deal because it's just like that's the one place that kind of sucks among you know four restaurants and so, and if you live in a smaller area you'll you'll have like five reviews on yelp so right, 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 right. The, the the law of averages is not going <laughs> to play in your favor but when you yeah if when you're in a real city and your place has like 700 reviews yeah and now uh, you have one star that's real scary yeah and uh so the you know young youtubers are going well not young they're all like a lot of youtubers <laughs> but it seems to have have really found its heart in the in the youthful uh youtubers um and they uh they go and they videotape it and it's kind of bad like they seem to all do a pretty bad job i've yet to see one that was really well done because they get there and they're kind of shook about filming themselves uh insulting <laughs> the place while they're in the place um so they cry they 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 sort of like mumble and whisper about how bad the food is and it's really you know if if it's a comedy channel they dispense with the comedy and try and give you real tasting notes and stuff <laughs> like that on on rotting food like it's just it's kind of ridiculous so how, how did you find these did you would this do you watch a bunch of these uh so one popped up in my like recommends one day there was two there was so I, I don't even remember the names. I should have wrote it down. But there's a kid who looks like he's a Mexican kid, actually. Yeah. Um, there's him. And there was another, like, kind of average-looking white kid with, like, kind of curly hair. And I think one of those guys popped up first. And I watched it because I had never heard of anything like that. It was, just, it, was something, it was something real easy, like reviewing the worst Mexican food in my town or something like that. Mm-hmm. I watched it, and it was real boring. <laughs> it was just like, this, this sucks. Like... Um, but you know, it's some kid I've never heard of who has like 50,000 hits, like 50,000 views on this video or hundreds of thousands of views on this one video. And I just went on with my day and then like a few more popped up. Uh, then I found that Mexican kid. I watched one of those super boring again. And then the two things that made me, uh, really like notice it was that one, uh, one popped up on vice and, uh, it, it was like, you know, just from the thumbnail, I was like, oh, it's that Mexican kid. Like, he hit big on YouTube. He got a job mm-hmm. with Vice uh, just by eating bad food. But then I turned it on. It's a different kid. Um, and this kid, he 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 does real consequences. Uh, Vice, like, found this idea and was like, we're going to amp this up. So this mm-hmm. dude is doing, like, real-life bad reviewed shit. Like, he goes to, like, the worst... Uh, rated barber in new york city he goes like the worst <laughs> the worst rated tattoo artist like the worst rated mma trainer just like shit where he can get really fucked up yeah. i really respect that and i was like oh, that's cool it's not food but whatever but then i saw dame drops doing it who was like you know kind of like the godfather of fatsos that review fast food <laughs> in their cars and i was like oh man dame has fallen on hard times he mm-hmm. is doing this trend uh that children do now and uh, vice does <laughs> Uh, and he's like, you know, he's our age. He's probably, he's probably like 41, something like that. Yeah. 42. Um, so it's like, oh man, Dame has fallen on hard times. And the thing with Dame drops is that he is a grown 40 plus year old man that is afraid to eat tomatoes. <laughs> so I don't think he has any jurisdiction to go into any place that has a bad, re- like that's badly reviewed and uh, judge their food. That's where I think these kind of videos fall flat for me is 
Right. I don't want their honest opinion on the Burger King. It's not gonna, they're gonna love it because that's all they fucking eat. <laughs> like they're never gonna be like, oh no, this one sucks. Like that's right. never gonna happen in these videos. Uh, but when it comes to this, I I do want like an Alton Brown type to be doing this shit. I want right. like a super serious food person to just be going in there. Not even like a Gordon Ramsay over the top, but just like a very serious person to be like, this is exactly why this is terrible. So I watched the ones that you you sent me, and including that kid and. That kid kind of has some brass ones, uh, you know, if, if, if it all happens the way it happens, because he goes one-on-one with these people. Like he walks into the thing. The vice lets, kid, you're me. Yeah, yeah, the vice yeah. kid. He walks yeah. into the, to like the dojo or whatever and lets this real maniac teach him martial arts <laughs> to his, like with an inch of his face alone, just in, in this guy's, in, and it's actually like, he's like a R- Russian or he's like, he's some, he's from some other country, but he is like the guy from Napoleon Dynamite with the, uh, <laughs> He's like yeah. that that ver- that version of a martial arts teacher, you know, bow to your sensei and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, he goes one on one with that guy. He goes one on one with the tattoo guy, and like you yeah. know, and talk. And, and while the guy's tattooing him, he's like, "Yeah, you, so you have a lot of bad reviews. What's up with that?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. While the guy's got the needle digging into his arm, uh, that's that's. I mean, you know, I, who knows if there's editing or if they they pump these people up for it or whatever. But wow, did like you that. watch? Did you watch the haircut one? No, I missed. I didn't see that. that. Yeah, that one before they go in, like he's outside of the haircut place. And he like he shows like that the producers are in there like trying to talk the guy into it because the dude is totally not down with this happening, which <laughs> is setting up another consequence for this dude because now the dude it doesn't even like he's under pressure because the, the <laughs> he doesn't want to be on fucking camera because he knows his place is like badly reviewed right and uh, you know if they finally talk him into it so that makes it even scarier for me that they have to ask permission first and be like, Hey, we're doing this show on horribly reviewed places and we want your business to be on it. So yeah, that kid is really putting himself into some danger. Some of them are a little, like they really hit a, like a chord that I hate, which is like these redemption stories, you know, like they'll play like kind of like redemption music and have the guy shaking his hand and being like, you know, all in all people are people, man. You know, like that, <laughs> I don't want that shit. I kind of want this to be some schadenfreude or whatever. Yeah. But I, I took, I took a quick look. I was on my phone somewhere like, you know, like waiting for something. And I just started watching a few of them. And of course, like the biggest batch is about like makeup and nails and stuff like that because oh, i didn't see those oh my god if you put like <laughs> if you put in, just put in like going to the worst reviewed or whatever into YouTube and the whole first, 30 pages is like you know women uh you know makeup art makeup youtubers with a million subscriptions and stuff like that oh my god just going to the worst reviewed places and they're they're terrible they're terrible (laughs) and you know i just start clicking on them at random and so so i'm just gonna go for i'm gonna give you my my worst and my best okay i watched a bunch of these so my worst is there's a you know a youtube micro liberty named mar m-a-r m-a-r with a heart i don't know if she's famous to people i don't know if she's a kardashian or whatever she's very pretty (laughs) but she looks grown you know she looks like she's probably in her 20s or whatever but you can't tell maybe she's had a lot of milk hormones or something like that but she's uh, (laughs) uh she does a video where she goes into um the worst reviewed movie theater in her in her city which i didn't i guess i've been to some bad theaters so i'll give you that like that i could see that happening it is awful so (laughs) it is weirdly edited it is like you know all choppy and weird and she has a voice that sounds like she's making fun of you know quote unquote millennials like it's up speak, it's vocal fry. It sounds almost <laughs> like she has a speech impediment. It sounds like she's doing like, like some kind of you know, the 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 like you know, <laughs> Chucky voice or something like that, while also having you know this teen girl thing going on. It's almost unintelligible. 
And I don't care. Like, that's fine. I think that's funny. But then the audio cuts in and cuts out and there's edits and there's chops and there's parts where she goes to the theater and they're terrible. And, um, on, and there's music that cuts in and cuts out. It makes no sense. Like and she's talking to the camera in the theater. You can't hear a word she's saying. I don't know what the deal is with this. She has 1.9 million subscribers. This video had a couple hundred thousand views. It was unwatchable. And it had three ads in the middle. I don't know if my <laughs> phone is broken or what. Like, I don't know if I, if I just encountered a glitch. Have you seen a video that has this many ads? They just kept showing me ads. Every few minutes, uh, an ad would play. I thought you could get like one in the middle. I don't know. This could be bullshit, but I think uh, the 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 author controls that. So some of these like low, like bottom feeder ones who have a little bit of pump are just saying, I'm going to get all the money that I can get really quickly. I'm going to yeah, put 300 I think so. commercials. Yeah, because I, I do hit some that are like, most of them are just one ad, but I do hit some that are, are multiple ads. And I, I just assumed uh, the person controls it because what little research I've done when you try and monetize your YouTube, it does ask you like, Hey, do you want um, the banner ads plus the commercial ads plus this, plus that? <laughs> so the more ads, the more kind of a dickhead, the person is who's, who's oh uh, running God. the channel. Basically. She is squeezing her viewers for every penny. <laughs> so congratulations, Mar. You have literally the worst YouTube video I've ever watched. And I watch YouTube kids with my child. So I've seen all the weird shit and you are, you are the worst. Like it is the worst video that I've ever sat through on YouTube and she's trying and she has a lot of subscribers. Um, by, by contrast, by contrast, I found another video of uh, a woman going to the worst reviewed nail salon in her town. And, um, she's British and she has one of those like grime accents where she says nothing like no nothing, <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it also on top of it almost sounds like maybe she has a mild speech impediment on top of it. She has like that, uh, you know, where she says W's instead of L's and all that stuff. And it, it's really, it's really thick. It really seems like every word is going through a labyrinth to get out of her mouth and, and she can barely, you know, barely get, get it out. Um, so she sits in her car and talks just for a really long time about how she's going to go into this nail salon and get it done. And then they go into the salon and they do the time lapse so you don't even get to enjoy this they just go into like a really quick time lapse and then they start playing that really chill edm music that they put over the strangely satisfying compilation videos <laughs> uh and then she goes back to her car and she shows you that her nails are all jacked up but she can't get the video to focus so you know like that's anytime someone puts something close up to the camera tries to focus on their face and uh she wasn't really understanding that uh and then you know, she's, she's, she's sort of just like loosely complaining, but losing her train of thought over and over and, and drifting off. And then she just stops and turns up the radio and goes, it's really sad. This guy just died. He was, he was only 28. The guy who's doing this verse right here, he had a lot going for him. He was really leading his bet. He was really leading great life. He had a lot going for him. And uh, yeah, it's really sad. He was 28 years old and he died. That's the end of the video. <laughs> so I, for me, that's best in class. <laughs>
we get started on All Holes Filled, uh, number, I don't know, 32, I wanted to <laughs> tell you that uh, in Alaska, three teenagers described as punks uh, were arrested for slam dancing each other into some donated canned goods. <laughs> they went to the Anchorage Mall and there was 18,000 cans of food on display. Like, you know, like, check this out. We're donating all these cans to the hungry. And these, uh, the teens, they, sl- they slam danced and they body slammed each other and they knocked over all the cans and they were arrested. Um, they went to jail for that. <laughs> punk. punk doesn't work out for you. <laughs> it does not. Yeah. Every episode of Border Boss now, because we've consolidated the whole brand, uh, we interrupt the, <laughs> the episode a third of the way through and just start talking about records instead. And uh, not, maybe I just eliminate the preamble. Uh, maybe I'd, maybe I'm not going to tell you. We're just going to interrupt and start talking about records. But basically, we have a we 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 have a a sub show called All Holes Filled, where we go back and try and figure out which important records we forgot. And uh, yeah. you know, we pick. We started out by picking a general and a like a general and a specific something that's specific to our interest and something that's more general. I don't know if I'm doing that anymore. I can't really <laughs> figure out what I'm doing anymore. I'm kind of just like picking things that I feel like listening to that I, that I think I missed. Um, and, and, you know, we had some plans for this. We were going to get into some, like, more elaborate stuff and do some themed episodes. We haven't done any of that yet, Mike. No. We've really, we're really dropping the ball. We're really fucking up. So this week, we... I, 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 really, I really went close to the bone. I went to, with stuff that I really f- felt like I needed to listen to. <laughs> um, but, you, but you were going to go first. You went with uh, My Chemical Romance. Yeah, so this week, I picked uh, My Chemical Romance. Three for sweet revenge it's called mm-hmm. this is from 2004 um i kind of chose this as scott alluded to we we are thinking about doing some theme episode we we're going to do like all these this mall emo music from the mm-hmm. 2000s but i know we're never going to get to that so uh <laughs> i decided to pick it i think i had a different like a stronger reason to choose it this week too but i don't remember it but um Oh, were you I, watching the Umbrella Academy on Netflix? It could be perhaps? that. It, it could have been that. I, I watched mm-hmm. a few episodes of that. It's not very good. No. Uh, uh, but I, I chose this, and uh, I don't. I didn't take notes or anything this week, and we kind of picked these these uh, all these records pretty late in the week, so I haven't even mm-hmm. listened to these records as much as I usually do. So, yeah, the biweekly thing really threw us off. <laughs> we just totally forgot. Like, even though we uh, we have always recorded biweekly, for some reason we just. Uh, got thrown off by by the recording schedule last week, and both of us re- didn't realize that we had to pick records. Yeah, uh, so, so it's it kind of short notice, but um, so I chose this record mostly because I have used my chemical romance as kind of a descriptor to describe, <laughs> like you know, a certain sound where people, if you say my chemical romance, they know exactly what you're talking about. They're talking yeah. about very theatrical, uh, soft boys on MTV doing like vaguely punkish scream screamy music. Right. And uh but then you know I thought I've never actually listened to my chemical romance. I kind of remember that one song they had that was big that was on uh, MTV but I don't think it was on this record. This I think this was the record that put them on the map really mm-hmm. as far as uh them getting like the actual serious mainstream MTV play and being like the number one TRL band and stuff like that. Uh, so this was like before that record but this is what did it. Or Oh, I mean, it was before that video, but this is the record that did it. Uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of that, that mid-2000s screamo music, just in case you live under a rock and have never heard of My Chemical Romance. 
Uh, first thing I'll say is that the cover really does not match the production of this record because this cover <laughs> looks like real shitty. It just yeah. looks it looks like something somebody did in high school uh, for like a fucking their their senior art project. I don't even think it looks that good, honestly. Right. And uh, but the music is for 2004 is very well produced. It is overproduced. You could even say um, in some ways. And uh, that's what I find kind of interesting about this. I didn't. Surprisingly enough, I didn't outwardly hate this 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 record. I don't yeah. love it or anything, but uh, one of the misconceptions I've had about My Chemical Romance is that I always thought they were some band that uh, had some kind of like hardcore pedigree that just decided to cash in one day. But I mean, I mean, Wikipedia is not like the end all be all. But I've looked at their Wikipedias and. It, you know, they, they're basically just like, oh, yeah, he was born and then he went to school and <laughs> then my, they invented My Chemical Romance and they've been famous ever since. So maybe they do have some kind of hardcore. You don't know this, do you, Scott? You don't know, right? No, I mean, like all the bands that came out around the same time, I, I, kind of like the band The Used is the one yeah. that I remember like literally being called Screamo. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> you know, and so then once that happened and a bunch of other bands all kind of came out with the same vibe to me. Uh, I, I, yeah, I didn't, I, I don't know which is which. And yeah. That, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I thought the, yeah, I thought this band had some kind of, some kind of like hardcore pedigree, which made them, uh, you know, kind of more deceitful, I guess you would say <laughs> to make this music. But I think, you know, these, as far as I know, these dudes set out to make this type of music. But what I would say about this record and I heard like one of their, like, I think when I was listening to this on random, one of their earlier songs came on and it was definitely a lot rougher than this. But yeah, this record does not sound like uh, like it doesn't sound like a record you could have written inside of a garage or a practice space. Oh, basically, no, right, right. <laughs> yeah. this sounds like something you showed up to a recording session that a recorded <laughs> like a record label booked for you for a couple months with some riffs and uh, whoever produced like whoever the engineer was of this record is the real genius because like right. he took those riffs and made uh, you know these crazy songs uh, out of and uh, that is. I don't hate that. I think it's, I think you do have to have like a certain set of skills and you oh, have a, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, by yeah. James DeWeese was in this. I don't know how you pronounce that. Oh. Coalesce. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Had, there so, we go. So, so they do, they have total pedigree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they, he played keyboards for them, I guess. So. Okay. Oh no, that dude's, yeah, I think that dude's played keyboards with a, with a, with a bunch of bands. Is he like the minus the bear or like, is he one of those dudes or something? Yeah. Like I think he's like, I think he might have like a long list of bands he's played keyboards for, but I, I could be wrong about that, but, um, Oh, but, Reggie in the full effect. Yeah. Know. Yeah. He's that guy. Yeah. He's, okay. he's done it. He's done a ton of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, they have this kind of sound that's just like very overproduced. Like you cannot make this in, inside of a garage or practice space. And as I was saying, I don't think there is a certain skill to that. You can't, you have to be real pro. You have to be real committed to want right. to make this music, I think. And I can't fault them for that. Uh, I think the singers kind of lays on that same cadence over and over again. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine just, being like okay well we have this super tight band that is like really overproduced (laughs) and like seriously theatrical and this guy's i mean he has a good voice but you know to be honest he's kind of half-assing it like everybody else in this band including the studio engineers are doing a lot of work they're doing two (laughs) hundred thousand percent work and this guy just kind of has the same whiny voice Mm -hmm. um there's even a song i think the second and last track has like a little disco part in it and that, that just comes out of nowhere there's no way these guys were like yeah we're gonna we're going to make a song with this disco part in it. That's definitely in the studio. 
So, uh, the, the, the real problem I have with this record is that, uh, like I said, I don't really know what their, their earlier, I think they had one or two releases before this, and I don't really know what those sound, but I have a feeling they sounded a little more like that EVR style screamo that yeah. was kind of big at the same time. And, uh, then this record came out and, you know, I don't know, there's not anybody that's literally in charge of stuff like this, but uh once this came out and people were still calling it screamo somebody should have been like no you can't call it that anymore <laughs> we have to call this like a, a different name now this can't be screamo or emo this is a different kind of music and i think that's kind of the problem i have with it where this kind of became the norm where now if you say screamo people think of stuff like this oh, and yeah. and it just doesn't seem fair basically it does and it it's like i i'm not a teen i wasn't a teen when this came out i mean i was a young i was in my 20s and younger 20s uh, but i was still a little above this so i just don't know um i don't know i'm sure the kids who listen to this that were teens thought this was like real underground shit but it just it, my my brain does not can't wrap my head around that because it's just like this was on mtv and stuff like that so how could this be real underground shit so it just doesn't make sense to me how this could be like counterculture at the same time of being on MTV and being like huge and having like this crazy overproduced sound. Uh, so that, that's kind of where I have problems with this. But as, as far as the music, like it's like I said, it's not my favorite. I don't fucking I'm never going to listen to this again or anything. But for what it is, it's pretty good. Um, but it's just like they, all the baggage that came with this record. It still like leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it, it's so crazy that whoever they're agents were or whatever were like yeah we're gonna sell this this is gonna be like the new sound and blah 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 and it spawned a bunch of other bands like scott said that have this sound mm-hmm. it's just fucking crazy because you know you could probably pinpoint this era for like ruining underground music forever like there's no i i mean i think there's you know little diy scenes in in, in towns and cities still but it's nothing like it was before this because p- people are just conditioned even if you're like a you know a third third tier band now you're still going on package tours and you know if you're lucky that package tour will maybe have like an opener from your local town it's not like (laughs) it used to be anymore and i kind of blame like this band and all of that ilk for for that yeah and uh, so i'll I'll always resent them (laughs) i mean i'm glad i listened to it um i don't fucking like musically i don't hate it i think these dudes are really talented and uh they definitely had a vision and fucking hit that vision perfectly but um, you know, I, for for everything badly this record brought in to uh, my world of music, I will I will forever hate them. But yeah, uh, great you know, great job musically. Uh, I would have not liked this when I was sixteen, that's for sure. If I was even sixteen in two thousand four. But Scott, what did you think of my Chemical Romance? It's like there's a lot of things. There's several things that congeal on this record to me in my brain. I don't, and I don't know where they fall in history. But see, like to me, this is where that Disney channel, American idol sound (laughs) got smushed into punk rock forever. Yeah. Like this is really like American idol sounding to me. He sounds like that Adam Lambert or something like he he just has that glitzy, you know, like I could see a lot of lights around this guy when he's on stage and like, (laughs) you know, colored gels and him having like a really elaborate jacket or something that costs a lot of money every night. You know, I, I I think that that was part of the package from day one with this band. Like you said, they were never in a garage. They were always, they always had, a wardrobe person or something like that and a makeup person um it's really really glossy and it's very heavy but there's 
nothing in it it's like there's not really riffs there's not really you know no yeah i don't know like there's it's it to me it sounds real broadway and there's it, there's the song called you know what they do to guys like us in prison where he really like he really starts to cabaret it up and uh i th but to be honest i think that's when they hit their stride like i think like i i'm saying that as a joke because it's terrible to me but that's that's a valid decision you yeah, know, that's like a bad decision yeah. to make. In the post rock of ages, you know, whatever, you know, like school of rock world, like having a hard rock cabaret, but it's that's a valid choice. I think it's terrible. I think it's disgusting, but it's like, <laughs> um, there is a part in, I think, the song I'm Not Okay, where the, all of a sudden there's 300 vocal tracks. Yeah. I'm on board. I love, <laughs> I love when there's lots of overlapping vocals doing all different things. That is key like i really like <laughs> oh i think the guy himself doesn't have a lot of variety but whoever produced no. them as you said yeah. knows how to sort of shape other things the screaming and like the layered vocals i checked out for a lot of this album i was just like oh <laughs> this is just like a smear this is just vaseline on my eyes i can't even <laughs> fuck it you know and then you know i i noticed it was on the second to last song i was like well you know to be fair maybe i should rewind this you know like <laughs> check out some of it uh, and the last and the last song goes into like some nursery rhyme and that settled that debate i was like no, 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 do shit with this uh so the only thing that i took away from this is that i think it's really weird how the whole like cutter depression thing merged with pop punk around this time yeah like, yeah, yeah i i mean there's probably always depressed teens into punk and pop punk but this is really upbeat really like joyful sounding music to me and it's like the cover has these bloody people and the singer wears corpse paint and stuff like that on stage and they're clearly supposed to be broken doll you know like i'm ready to die all their lyrics yeah. seem to be about that shit but this is like <laughs> there, no there's no there's no darkness in this at all there's no <laughs> there's no shadows in this music whatsoever it's a spotlight this is the brightest yeah. sounding music that i think i've listened to all week until later this yeah. episode <laughs> but yeah that's what i was kind of tripping over it's just like i can't imagine being a teen and hearing this and yeah. a thinking it's like underground and b having that feeling about it but yeah that's that's what it is it's it's so crazy have you ever listened to him or h-i-m or whatever they like the the bam margera yeah, yeah 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 you've yeah. listened to it yeah that's a whole to fill because like, that's the same way like i like i think that's that dude's like a platinum star in norway or wherever he's from yeah. something like that but it's all satanic and battery evil and stuff like that I, what, what does that sound like that sounds it sounds kind of i wouldn't say it sounds like this but it is kind of like that music where um you don't have any strong feelings about other music basically <laughs> as you would say like i i don't yeah, this will do <laughs> yeah they don't sound anything like clutch but i always put them into like that that kind of field where a person from any walk of like life could like clutch. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that way about him. Like it seems like their, uh, their fan bases. I mean, at one time it's probably mostly teen girls, but it's kind of, you know, varied like that where it could be a fucking skater dude mm -hmm. or a punk dude or some shit like that. Yeah. You got a lot of straps hanging off of your blood. Yeah. Yeah. My first uh, album of this week was uh, the, the soundtrack to Suspiria by the band Goblin. And this was a little bit of a decision tree because <laughs> uh like you know there was a lot first of all i made a big mistake uh i could have sworn that these guys did the phantasm soundtrack it's just no. been in my brain for it's forever <laughs> been in my brain that goblin did the phantasm soundtrack i've never looked at a piece of text to refute that like i've never looked at wikipedia or an album cover or anything like that i just decided 20 years ago or something like that the goblin did the soundtrack to, to phantasm so that's why i thought i was getting into i'm not totally unfamiliar with this 
but I would say that a little confession is that I kind of pose on shit like this. Uh, <laughs> if someone brings it up, I, I vaguely know what the sound is. I've seen some of these movies, so I get the vibe. And I just kind of go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like as though I'm an old hat and I know all about uh, magma and all these like Zoil pans <laughs> and whatever, the, whatever you call that shit. So, you know, I was like, well, whatever. Uh, I, I know that this is going to be cool. So I'm going to give myself a break this week and, <laughs> and uh, load the dice. Um, this is from, uh, when's this from? This is from 1977. The soundtrack to the, uh, is this just Giallo, right? Suspiria? Is it? Uh, I think, uh, an uninformed person would call it a Giallo. But. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's me. So <laughs> I think, uh, Giallo, I, I mean, I think it gets lumped in that, but yeah, I, I think like if you were use the formal term that usually has some kind of, uh, like some sort of element of crime or like at least mm-hmm. a slasher in it. And right. Suspiria is all like, you know metaphysical like stuff like that so so i saw it a long time ago i don't i don't really remember much about like i saw it before i was equipped would would it be correct to say that the mondo tease thing kind of brought this stuff all back like oh yeah for sure yeah it it started off like kind of like you know like as a tiny snowball and then turned Mm -hmm. into an avalanche very quickly but yeah i think mondo is probably the the people them and death waltz were the two big ones that really brought it back like they were the first place that really made a big deal of making weird you know genre niche t-shirts and putting them out in limited quantities and stuff like that and, and making a big deal like when they would drop one of their records or whatever it was a big deal yeah and uh that was one of the first places i knew of that like made a killing uh doing that stuff and made a name for themselves and then all of a sudden all these bands started reforming and touring again like oh you like our records <laughs> <Yeah>. Shit. <laughs> oh you're you're pressing new records that cost thirty dollars <laughs> hey maybe we should get back together and tour i'm there for that <laughs> yeah. uh, so so this soundtrack uh, is kind of a mixed bag you know it's all kind of proggy because they're you know proggy 70s proggy dudes uh but there's you know there's the the sort of like the intro track and there's these these awesome relentless synthy tracks uh that make my hands ache to listen to <laughs> you know because they're just like the first one, especially is just these constant 16th notes. And this is the days like someone had to play this. Someone had to sit there on like the bazooki or whatever, you know, whatever they had. I'm not a consistent musician. I'm a slob. And I can't really just sit there and play 16th notes like very accurately for, for six minutes. So like listening to this boy, gives me arthritis. And those are awesome. Those songs are cool. And then there's songs like the witch, and a couple other ones that are just kind of like ambient stuff with spooky demons burping and gargling and screaming and the incantations. Are those sounds from the movie or is that just the music? I guess you would say both. I guess. I mean, it's in the movie. Is so, there yeah. like witchy demons like chanting on the oh, screen? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Without the visuals, that's sort of like, I don't need to, I don't really, I'm not a soundtrack dude that much. So I don't really want yeah. to sit there and listen to like the ambient sounds. Uh, and then every now and then they just whip out like a really funky song like like a really 70s funk song and it ends up sounding like like a spirit of halloween store version of steely dan (laughs) um that's not an insult like i think that that's pretty good and you know there's a song called uh black forest that's like that and it's it's sick uh all of it's sick this this album is like as metal as you can get without being even slightly heavy the whole (laughs) thing is like really sort of dense and oppressive um it's all minor key it's all really extremely well played and extremely well produced for the for the era it's got that old you know 70s prog sound the bass and the guitars and stuff like that and uh nicely enough this version that's on spotify lapses into commentary tracks where you know various italian men i assume some of them are dario argento just start talking about the challenges of playing the bazooki 
And uh, there's many <laughs> tracks of this, and I just let that play. That was great. I like it. I love it. I want to take some, you know, influence from it for stuff that I do because it's 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 really sweet, and the synths are great. Like anytime the synths come out, they're like all. It's the Main Street Electrical Parade from uh, Disney World. <laughs> they just go bananas with with electricity. Uh, so, Mike, what's your experience with this album? Okay, so I'm I'm a long time soundtrack listener and collector. Uh, I, I I have this weird thing. Like I collect records, but most of the records I I collect are either soul and funk or mm-hmm. soundtracks. Other weird stuff here and there. But basically, like my my reasoning for collecting this stuff is because I never have to talk to another person about it ever. <laughs> no one's gonna ever ask me about funk songs or soul songs. And uh, like Scott said. I, it's something I can enjoy and not have to like study. Basically I can put on a a funk record and no one's ever going to fucking try and question me about like, Oh, you know, when was this recorded and blah, blah, blah. Like, (laughs) I don't fucking care. I don't know anybody who's going to care. So it's great. I could just listen to it and not have, I could just turn my brain off and, you know, I can, you know, probably listen to something and be like, Oh, you know, so-and-so sampled that, but that's probably (laughs) the most knowledge I've had. I have no idea what these guys did. I don't know if they're canceled or not. You know, it's just, it's fucking great. (laughs) harmless fun and i used to collect soundtracks the pre-mondo times mm-hmm. um i never had this though like this you know this, this was way before i started buying like rare records or anything like that but I, i've always had an interest in soundtracks and then you know mondo came out like scott said and it kind of ruined everything where that's yeah. like it started off cool where it was like a few times a year they'd repress a new record and it's like oh man that's fucking crazy and then, it, it, like, more and more labels started popping up, and now it's, like, every single horror movie that was not... I won't even say notable ones, just, like, any horror movie that had any semblance, like, any kind of music in it became a soundtrack, a uh, $30 soundtrack. And uh, that kind of sucked. And then uh, Goblin got back together, and I went to the uh, their first show back together. And I think it was, like, 50 bucks for a ticket. And I saw them and I was like, man, this is boring. Cause I mean, they're old, they're like old guys and you know, they're stationary just playing yeah. these, these songs, which maybe it would be more impressive to Scott. Cause like he, you know, he could like see their hands and stuff like that. But <laughs> you know, they had like the cool, like they had a cool uh, projection behind them playing like, you know, snippets from the movies and stuff. So that was cool. But I was like, man, this is the last time I ever pay $50 to see old men play music. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so with that said, um, I, I'm just basically a long way of me saying I can't really put into words like how I feel about this record because it's nothing I've ever had to do before. But um, I think, you know, for l- having some kind of experience of listening to these, these soundtrack records, this after, and after listening to it now, like over and over again, this might be the number one of all time, I think, um, <laughs> wow. as far as like horror soundtracks go, because uh, even their other stuff, I, I would say Dawn of the Dead, the, the soundtrack they did to Dawn of the Dead is... Uh, that's a pretty complete record too that I think you could listen to and not have to fast forward to much interstitial stuff. Yeah. But uh, like stuff like Profondo Rosso, deep, deep red that has the one hit on it. And the rest of it's kind of like, you don't ever really want to listen to that stuff. Halloween, I think is a really great soundtrack, but uh, for the most part, it's just like background noise. You know, it's like, like, you know, it's just like, you know, the one chords over and over again. And then the main song, of course, Rosemary's baby. It's the main song. Uh, so all these huge legendary horror soundtracks that uh, get all get all talked up. There's not many of them that you could listen to from front to back and not like have to fast forward. It's this, and I would say Phantasm. And Phantasm again is probably not everybody's cup of tea. That's very much in that John Carpenter, very low budget synth style. Right. And this is obviously a lot more 
actually musical like these guys started out as a prog band right you know and they, it, they weren't cutting it <laughs> like for whatever reason they weren't <laughs> popular as a, a prog band and they kind of lucked into doing these soundtracks and uh became like kind of a, a big deal and uh, i think even after they got back together i think yeah they try to release more original music and, and no one cares they just want to hear these songs but uh but yeah i mean if you're into soundtrack music you've probably heard this and even if you aren't and you just want to hear some wild shit I uh, I think I really think this it, this could be the one soundtrack that uh, you would need to hear, and uh, all the rest of this shit that gets put out, uh, fucking there's like 50 releases a year now. It's it's you know they they might have like one good chunk of music on it, and the rest is just bullshit. But this is this is really like a front to back great great soundtrack that you don't even need the music you don't even need the movie for. Um, I've always stood by that if you took the soundtrack away. No one would give a shit about the movie Suspiria. Right. And uh, there's very few movies I would put into that category. Like, I would say the Phantasm soundtrack adds a lot to uh, Phantasm, but I think you could have probably put some different music in there if you had to. Ha- Halloween is one. I think if Halloween, you took that soundtrack away, you'd lose a lot. But Suspiria is, like, at least 50% soundtrack. So The, the first thing I sort of thought of when they got to some of the more you know, organ-heavy parts mm-hmm. was that, you know, I really liked Beyond the Black Rainbow when it came out which is another soundtrack heavy uh, movie. Uh, But a lot of that movie is like just kind of droning and like oppression, just like sound that's just supposed to push you down and and keep your, keep you foggy. But there's a scene with this like robot called the sentient where it just blasts into the seventies. All of a sudden it just out (laughs) goes, and this organ solo happens. And like that was transcendent. I watched that when that happened, I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened (laughs) in cinema. And, but I listened to this soundtrack. I'm like, Oh, so they do this all the time. Like it's like, this has been doing this since the seventies. So that kind of kills that a little bit. Not really, but uh, you know, it waters that down a little bit for me. I think the best decision goblin made was changing their name from the goblins. (laughs) <laughs> they were originally the goblins in the you know, yeah. num- number one decision. My next one, my last one for the night, is uh, probably a surprise for a bunch of people. I think it was a surprise for Aaron because he assumed this was your pick. He's disgusted uh, with you right now. He's, he's mutual he's disgust. So disgusted. Uh, it was a band called Tragedy and a uh, record called Vengeance from 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard Tragedy before. I'm not going to pretend I've never heard them. But. Yeah. I think, you know, a few episodes ago, I, I went on and on and gushed about how his Hero is Gone was kind of like a life-changing band for me. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And uh, Tragedy was like kind of coming up right before I moved to Albany. There was like a solid year to year and a half where I didn't really go to many hardcore shows. I wasn't active in the scene, as you would say. I went, I like started going again when I like right before I moved to Albany. But I would maybe go see friends bands here and there. Um but I wasn't really going, so like I wasn't really at the forefront of uh, tragedy forming. Like I don't even know if I knew that his hero is gone had like a post his hero is gone band for yeah. you know until I moved to Albany probably. And when I moved to Albany, everybody loved this tragedy band. They fucking loved them. And I think I heard like a couple songs, and I was like the writing was on the wall for me. I was like I don't want to hear any more of this because <laughs> his hero is gone is just like I said. It's like a life changing band for me. You can go back and listen. To that whatever episode that was the bastard episode yeah where you could hear all my thoughts on his his hero's gone but as, as soon as i heard this it just sounded kind of like watered down his hero has gone to me mm-hmm. and i was like i i don't need this in my life so i just i never really paid him a mind and uh it was that was around again the same time where punk and hardcore and metal not well not metal but punk and hardcore were kind of 
you know, getting more mainstream press and stuff like that. And so these guys, they wouldn't have interviews, but they would have like blurbs about them in whatever the equivalent of decibel was at the time. Like, I don't know, like, you know, even maybe metal hammer. I don't know. Uh, whatever they sold in hot topic shit like that ap probably metal maniacs uh, would be metal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know they would always have blurbs and it would be like yeah these guys they don't even make merch because they don't believe in it and like it's just like stuff like that and it's like yeah. they didn't believe in this shit you know they, they wouldn't have fucking blurbs and <laughs> magazines so it was kind of just like it was kind of rubbed me the wrong way but i never really sat down again another band i think i own multiple tragedy records never mm-hmm. listened to them um <laughs> uh, uh but you know i was like one one of these days i'm gonna want to listen to this i know and uh, that day is today or this week. And I was like, I'll, I need to finally give this band a fair shake. I'm old and mature. I don't have those same kind of hangups because if if anybody was into that type of music at the time, you know, all of these bands formed post bands or just formed like a different era of their their same band. Mm-hmm. That was just kind of like a watered down version. Like, right, Damod did it. I can't remember her her band after Damod and um, fucking uh, ISIS, not the terrorist group, but the band. And even neurosis, like all of these bands, kind of just started getting a little, a little floor turned into torch. Even though it was a little later, but you know, it was just a little more polished, I guess you would say. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I just like always had that sour taste in my mouth. But we're far removed from that. I could listen to this fine. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly what I thought it was. It's pretty. I wouldn't say watered down. His hero's gone. It's very polished. It's. Uh, these guys decided they wanted to to work on some melodies and some harmonies here and there instead of just like discordant noise, I guess you would say. Yeah. And uh, it's so it's more up. I wouldn't say upbeat, but it, you know it has more of an upbeat actual beat to it. It's uh, there's more concentration on the actual music. This is a band uh, for a fact that has I think two singers that play instruments. So the uh, the vocals are are a little sparse. They're not <laughs> always in your face, which I I do enjoy. I I like more of that vocal style than a constant singing um but you know it is they don't have like the crushing just depressively heavy parts that his hero is gone they just took those out um for a more polished sound and i don't now you know at my old age i would probably rather listen to this than harris his hero is gone in my day-to-day life i don't know if i'm gonna do that i'm sure he's still singing about being oppressed in the government <laughs> stuff like that i don't really like the 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 bits i would get here and there it was like a lot of talk about uh, you know, wars and stuff like that, like, you know, social wars and stuff like social that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, social wars. Uh, but yeah, I, one of the weird ways I judge music is that I, uh, I, I want to, I want to think, uh, could you play this at a cookout? Could you play this at a barbecue? <laughs> uh, and it doesn't have to be like a barbecue with your parents or anything like that. Is it good or bad if you could play it at a bar? <laughs> well, no, it's just like, you know, it, I have friends that are my age and younger yeah. that, you know, we have barbecues now because I know people who own property or just have like a backyard and, you know, you're old, you can't do old person shit anymore. So you might have like a, a backyard barbecue and, you know, there's still like punk music being played and stuff like that, but you can't play like cannibal corpse or something at a barbecue usually because it's, you're outside, it's, it's warm out, you're having fun. You don't want to fucking listen to like just disgusting, heavy music. Yeah. And so it's just, it's not like, it's not good or bad. It's just like, could you play this at a barbecue? I totally think you could play tragedy at a barbecue. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a good, <laughs> good thing. I, so, you know, in 2002 to 2006, when this band was active, I definitely did not want to hear this type of music. I, I I would want to hear this type of music, but not from these people. Basically, I guess mm-hmm. you would say I would want to hear more. His hero is gone from these guys, and I think it just has that kind of polished edge where 
maybe his Heroes Gone was a little too edgy for you, and this is a little too... It's, pop it's, punk. Yeah, it's a little too pop punk. It's a little more pop punk, and you can, you can enjoy it a little more. And, you know, I'm sure people who are listening to this that were kind of, like, you know, five years younger, yeah. that maybe they heard Tragedy before his Heroes Gone, probably think I sound like a real fucking idiot right now, and <laughs> that I don't know what I'm talking about, because I'm making Tragedy... I'm making tragedy sound like my chemical romance, basically like yeah. they're this like overproduced band. They're, they're totally not. They're still fucking super heavy yeah. and, you know, super angry, but it's just like, it's not his hero is gone. And that's the hangup I've always had. And like I said, now I could appreciate this more. I don't know if I'm going to go back. I, maybe I'll listen to the records I've had. This is a fine record. It's, it's great from end to end. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had never heard his hero is gone, I would never have that chip on my shoulder. So it's great. It's a great record. You you can't deny it. I think it's kind of funny that they have a song called Vengeance and then another one called Revengeance because that's like <laughs> that's not like, a remix. <laughs> yeah, that's like some serious like goon band mentality. That's not the this thinking man uh, like crust core band or whatever you want to call them. But no, I mean it's a great record. I'm glad I finally sat down and listened to it. I was not expecting to like hate this or anything, but it's still this it's the same hangups are still there. It's like they never use that same artist that all those bands use. That fucking Who's that guy? I don't. You don't know him. He's like the fucking Pusshead Junior, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, that John guy, Bi- Dyer Baisley. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's like they never use that art, but it's in that genre. It's it's yeah. it's in that genre of music where um, maybe a little, but everybody else I knew matured a little before I did, where they could get into that style of like clean, polished, angry music. But now that I'm older, I can enjoy this. But it's a great record. I kind of just ran on and on. Um, but yeah, I, I got it out of the way. I filled the hole, and it feels good. <laughs> feels great. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly with you that I heard them and was aware of them, but just it didn't. But I wasn't in this spot then. Yeah, I just wasn't in this zone. And whenever I like, I would say this is real. You know, I, I'm going on a real old memory here. But when we we played with Backstabbers a couple times, yeah, and I felt like they were in the same vein. Like it's really burly. It's really heavy. It's kind of grindy. Has multiple vocalists, you know, and it, like it's metal, but doesn't feel like metal. Yeah. Um, and you know, the same kind of like just total aggro, but still has some variety thing, and like cheap amps, but turned up so loud that they're awesome. You know, like that's. Uh, I, I, whenever I'd see that live, I'd love it, but I don't want to sit down. I didn't want to sit down and listen to it back then. I didn't want to like listen to it in my car or anything like that. Mm. So it, you know. It just never landed for me. But I'm, I put this on now, and I'm like, wait, is, is this D-Beat? Did we just trick yeah. me into another fucking D-Beat band? I mean, it uh, pretty much is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they then they lapse into one of these, like, you know, Wagnerian heavy parts uh, that are great. And they, that's exactly what I think I said when we did, like, a lot of, when we did, like, Bastard and covered some other D-Beat, is that I really like it when someone in the band is really into the epic sound. And it could still be going fast, but if someone is doing those big crashing you know exciting things every now and then that elevates it for me that's that's totally different vibe and 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 uh i I like that stuff and you know like i think track three the beginning of track three i don't know what they're doing but it's cool i'm gonna be Mm -hmm. like checking it out again and trying to figure it out it's like these guys know exactly what their amps do physically or something Mm -hmm. and they know how to play it's just chords it's nothing special it's just like don't don't it's just some kind of doomy heavy thing but it's really weird there's something really weird about like they're picking the strings funny or something to i don't know whatever it is it's you know what's funny is that like nails the band nails mm-hmm. got big a few years ago doing you know the entomb distortion assault thing with a couple of slow epic songs thrown in I, it's so much better and more complete 
over 10 years ago on this album you know what i mean <laughs> yeah this has got so much more variety the multiple vocals i think are cool um and here's what i'm gonna tuck in i'm gonna tuck in a bonus all holes filled you can chime in with me if you care about this <laughs> uh big loud mouth of infinity big mouth loud one of our you know i think he's a, yeah. one of the virtual pros uh followers suggested yeah. he was disgusted with us for our takes on hope conspiracy which i don't remember what we said he wanted us to listen to death knows your name exactly what i needed for this review because death knows your name is precisely all the things it's not it's not bad i'm not going to roll over this guy it's it's fine but it's like the guitars are kind of weak sounding like they had foo fighters guitars um and then the vocalist just barks nonstop. he's at 11 he never stops being at 11 he's one guy and he just barks the same way for the entire album and that just drives me up a wall i just you gotta you gotta lean back you gotta like do like even i don't care if you do that 90s talk talk core thing just like let up just for a second here and there or get another guy to do like the mcgruff the crime dog voice for a few lines <laughs> something like i just i can't it's it, like that's what happened is that everybody got really good at it you know what i mean everybody practiced m metal and screaming and that's when everybody just got good at this all at once and everyone got new amps and everyone got was all of a sudden touring with like les paul guitars instead of a squire that they found in a basement or something like that <laughs> and it, it's just it's too much it's like too slick for me for hardcore and this it, it's perfect as a foil to this tragedy album because even though this doesn't scratch a lot it just for me it's really rough it's really heavy it has a ton of variety it has multiple vocals all that shit uh, i do think that this album <laughs> This album really flags at some point. Like all of a sudden, I think like maybe three songs from the end, the vocalist sounds like he is kicked. <laughs> like I don't know if he did all of his takes in one day and was just like, ah, ah. he is torched. Uh, so the, the actual album begins to slow down as though you're watching a band run out of steam on stage or something like that. <laughs> but uh, you know, they kick it back in for the last the last song. I thought this is cool. I'm probably not. Yeah. You know, it's not something I really feel like uh, checking out. But you know, if someone hasn't heard this and you like that kind of nails, like super dense, super heavy, you know, that that really cavernously huge distortion sound. This, this worst things you could do with them listen to this album it's got a lot of awesome parts and check out track three and tell me how they're doing what they're, <laughs> doing what they're doing. so my uh, yeah. oh go ahead i was just gonna add to the hope conspiracy i, I still think that stinks too i just i listen to it <laughs> it's uh i just never got into those bands that sound like they would rather be in a rock and roll band basically yeah. but they just can't they don't have the chops to be in a rock and roll band or something because there's a lot of like rock riffs and it's and it's just all that music's real one note to me and i just still can't get into it i think that's why it happened that way. like that now these days a lot of the bands are rock bands and they yeah, put yeah. they'll put out like a power violence album and then the next album they put out is like a rock album yeah like who's who's the band um ceremony oh yeah yeah you yeah. know and like they were originally in a, like a legit <laughs> like grindy power violence band and then yeah. they just kept like sort of like morphing and morphing until there was like something else that's not bad i don't care if you want to change your sound but it's just like i think that that's hand in hand that you can just become a rock band yeah. these days from being like a death metal band or like a grind band or something <laughs> so my final album surprisingly is a well it's not surprising if you looked at the cover art but a <laughs> winger uh the the album winger by winger yep and this wasn't an arbitrary choice i'm not i'm not being a pest i'm never being a pest I, but i just want people to know that but that i'm not i don't do these things as a dare or as like a stunt there's a reason for this so when, sometime in my 20s you know i like i never fell for hair metal 
when I was, there's a couple, like when I was a real little kid, I think I liked white snake and, and like, I liked quiet riot and stuff like that. But I'm talking like I was, that's third grade, you know, by the time I was like a metal kid, I didn't, I wasn't Stuart from Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> you know, like, like working my way up to thrash. I went right from Iron Maiden to like listening to the thrash and death metal. I just call it, call it what you want. If you think I'm bragging, whatever, but it's just, I didn't, I didn't have a, I didn't have a hair metal face. I didn't like it. I was like anti-poser and all that stuff when I was 13, real hard, real hard. Uh, so sometime in my 20s, I'm watching, you know, whatever was left of MTV at the time, whatever ragged, maybe it was VH1 because they were still showing videos. I don't think that they were showing videos by then. And, you know, the uh, legendary statutory rock song 17 comes on <laughs> and I'm watching it and like, yeah, whatever. And I'm, I'm like, man, there's, there's a lot of fucking guitar going on in this song. Holy shit. This is, there's like a lot going on in this song. And, um, it kind of shreds. And so for the next 20 years, <laughs> I'll just tell anyone who listens, well, you know, winger secretly shreds, you know, like, <laughs> anytime there's a problem or a question, or you're just in a, an ambiguous situation. I, I just offer up the helpful detail that winger secretly shreds. And maybe that'll, you know, maybe that'll tip the, tip the balance in my favor. <laughs> it's just something I've been saying for a while, just cause I, I was surprised and it's never stopped being surprising to me. <laughs> this band that's like universally you know, sort of sold down the river as a, as a poser weakling band, uh, pretty good at their instruments and, um, you know, pretty solid all around. Uh, but if you want to follow the rest of this review, you first need to know that this is one of the most overproduced rock albums in the universe. <laughs> My chemical romance, go fuck yourself. Winger <laughs> winger is the most overproduced thing, uh, that uh, outside of actual soundtrack music. Kip is never any less than three or four kips. There's always three or four Kips singing at the same time. There's so many layers of like production on his voice. It's incredible. And, um, you know, that's good or bad. Like you just kind of have to accept that at the beginning and plow through it. I didn't mind it that much. It, you know, it comes and goes, but you know, Mike, you and I used to discuss a sort of invented genre. Uh, I think that we, I, I just always called it like city streets. Yeah. You know, it's like a, you know, like, like Eye of the Tiger, basically, like that mid pace, relentless. It's like one note, dun, 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 dun. and there'll be lyrics that are either about how these city streets are going to eat you alive, girl, or that you need to buck up because it's tough out there and like it's time for you to train at karate. And, you know, uh, this album is like 50% that sound. There's a hungry state of emergency, time to surrender, hanging on all four of the, like that's m almost half of the album has that get ready get ready for karate sound and it's actually pretty funny like that that's a genre because there are 0, 0.0 recorded cases of like lion-haired men in green spandex menacing anybody in the streets at night anyway there's a <laughs> there's a couple of like wildly huge ballads on this album those yeah I just gotta skip those that's not really my thing uh <laughs> if you're a hair metal ballad and you're failing to be either quiet riots don't want to let you go or scorpion still loving you i don't really want to hear it but uh, without the night it's the big ballad on this and it does the most that you can do with this sound uh, by the end there's nine kips singing <laughs> and uh you know he all nine kips all at once go for this crazy high note and then fucking like unlimited guitar notes just start spurting out of a guitar out of nowhere and they just ride off in the sunset still spurting and it's just going wow 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 and it fades out on so much guitar uh, orgasm it's really something <laughs> not good but it's something um, so basically that leaves the balance of the album and the rest of the album is exclusively comprised of uh, something is that's my like personal favorite hair metal subgenre, uh, which is basically a whole genre that's descended from one song and that's van halen's unchained put on van halen's unchained and you're gonna be like oh 
that's right all of the good actual metal hair metal from the from the 80s is that song just reimagined 900 different ways it's like poison had the crappy bow diddly thing going on that sucks great white i don't know what the fuck great white was a lot of that stuff just was just like you know steakhouse rock but with <laughs> makeup that's all kind of garbage like this at least is still kind of metal um and you know put them together like just even put on 17 like put it on with unchained you'll hear what i'm talking about it's the same thing like all these guitarists got all their their licks from this one thing so you know it comes out at the end i think i like kip's voice i think he has a quality voice i don't know if i love the album and his use of his voice on this (laughs) it's pretty inoffensive Uh, there's maybe too much of everything on this for it to be a real like you know all day vape i'm not really like i probably am not going to listen to this too much more but i i uh i am right they are shredders winger does secretly <laughs> shred i i feel i feel like completely vindicated uh there's some hits on this they're fine um i'm and i'm good with those hits i just kind of want to hear you know 17 and uh you know whatever the other whatever like what what's the last song oh madeleine sick and yeah. uh you know headed for heartbreaks pretty cool <laughs> so mike what did you think of oh by the wait 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 in the middle there's a cover of purple haze that's yeah. dog shit <laughs> i mean i don't like Jimi hendrix to begin with but wow this is like the blues hammer you know, version <laughs> of uh, it's really sad and really awful and uh should have been cut so i'm like what did you think of Winger's yeah. debut album? now uh i famously do not listen to a lot of this type of music uh there was oh there was a year to a year and a half of my life where i was nine i think nine going on ten or maybe eight going on nine years old uh i think nine going on ten where i did try and listen to this music because i moved to a, a different area i moved to like a town instead of the city I grew up in mm-hmm. where all the only people I knew listen to rap music. And I, then I moved to like a town where it was more white kids that had like kind of more normal tastes. And, uh, they all listen to like this kind of music, this, yeah. uh, you know, fucking MTV shit. And so I try to, I always try to get into it. Cause you know, I was little kids. I had no friends. Uh, it was a good way to try and make friends. Uh, but I still could not get into like the super satanic stuff. And by super satanic, I mean like Motley Crue because <laughs> they use like, pentagram so any of those bands like i was i was scared off like wasp that was too scary for me rat was too scary for me uh so it was like poison uh def leopard but even even back then i think winger was kind of a joke like they're like they're the wussiest of those bands basically uh so it's so i have like a little experience with that specific this this specific era of music but uh, I kind of, you know, I haven't listened since then, and I just kind of forgot how it, it sounded like this, like yeah, uh, overproduced and just like, uh, you know, kind of like a like a pop record, like the Monkees, basically, or the <laughs> Beatles. Even it's just kind of like where they're not making an album; they're just making a bunch of singles mm-hmm. uh, that they put on an album. And uh, like Scott just said, there's no other case, bigger case than that it was sticking purple haze is like trek four or five on your album like who is sequencing this who is like oh you know what this needs on track four fucking purple that that is such weird sequencing for an album but back then i don't think it like no one gave a shit so right. like no one i think maybe the bands didn't think this music was disposable but i'm sure the record labels were like yeah we just need 10 more wingers like they weren't really thinking a uh, winger self-titled album is going to be a, a classic legendary rock and roll hall of fame record. They just yeah. wanted to put out something that was going to sell 10 million records. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I, this is not really for me, uh, with the production as Scott said, this really reminded me of, uh, this, uh, video series on YouTube, uh, on the Vox channel called Airworm, 
which was also included uh, the Captain Beefheart video that I referenced yep. in the Captain Beefheart episode. But they had like a an episode dedicated to explaining how the uh, the eighties drum sound came about, and it's it's a really interesting thing, and it it kind of puts into sp- perspective how. That super reverby drum that's on this in many 80s songs. Oh my god, the snare on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um it's it used to be real hard work to, <laughs> to make that sound. Like now you just you just turn a knob on your fucking keyboard and you have that sound. But back then, like they had to go into like this weird echo chamber just to make that fucking noise. Yeah. And uh but you know, everybody fucking loved it in the eighties, so it was like this huge hit. But yeah, just like just, I watched that video for the first time like last week and then listened to this record. And I was like, whoa, like this is my first example of really <laughs> hearing it with like organically. And uh, it's pretty crazy how the uh, production to this is probably closer to Prince than it is to like Metallica <laughs> or something like it's, it's this true. sounds like a Prince record. It sounds yeah. like it sounds like you could use the same production for Prince. Um, and yeah, outside of that, uh, there is a part I can't remember what song, but it starts off with the pretty much the introduction to mother by danzig and i was like whoa but <laughs> it's only the dun, 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 dun. it's only that part but it's just that that first part i was like oh man they're gonna go into mother but it's it's not uh, <laughs> you know yeah I've, I've never listened to this again i it was cool to to go back to uh being nine in fourth grade for, for a little <laughs> while uh maybe if scott picks something else from this this genre i could uh, appreciate it a little more but yeah definitely not for me 17 is tough to play it's tough to sing and uh kip does both at the same time he plays bass and he sings <laughs> and you know according to all holes filled law <laughs> that makes him one of the top three musicians on planet earth so um congratulations <laughs> kip winger 